This is the ministry from Sovereign Grace Reformed Church in Tiverton, Devon, United Kingdom. Well, once again, dear church family, we continue with our Bible study series in the life of Joseph. We're now on our 15th study, if you're counting. Previously, we thought about the Lord's provision for all the future needs of the covenant people of God, Israel, which, of course, the Lord God provided through Joseph. We saw how Jacob's faith had completely and fully been revived upon the good news that Jacob, that Joseph yet lives. He lives. The word was given to Jacob that Joseph is alive. He yet lives. And the wagons and the provision, of course, they bore testimony to the fact that he yet lives. And this, of course, was uh, wonderful news to the patriarch Jacob when he heard those words that his son, Joseph, his precious son, knew he had been separated for decades. And he heard those words and he saw those wagons, those royal wagons from Pharaoh, which were so different from coming from Egypt. And he saw those wagons, he heard the word, he saw the wagons, and it was as if uh, Joseph had been resurrected from the dead. And of course, uh, all these truths, they pointed to the greater Joseph, to Christ. And it's, it's true with us, isn't it? It points to Christ, how Jesus Christ, our Saviour, He yet lives. We worship a living Saviour, one who is on His throne, who has conquered all our enemies, who has brought those royal wagons, the means of grace for us, to bring us home, to us to fellowship one with another, to unite us in the faith, to provide for us. It's a beautiful picture here, isn't it, that God has provided through this wonderful account here of Jacob and Joseph. You know, Christ said in Matthew's Gospel, uh, Matthew 22, verse 32, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You know, when he, when he ever hears scripture, uh, the, the word of God saying, I am the God of Abraham, of Jacob, of Isaac, many times after they had, had, they had breathed their last breath, it's telling us that we worship a living God. That's the point of that phrase. We worship a living God. Abraham and Jacob and Joseph are not dead. They are alive because the greater Joseph is alive. And yet they are alive in glory. God has provided for them, you see. So whenever you hear that phrase, remember that we worship a living, exalted God who is upon his throne, who ever lives to, to intercede for us. It's a wonderful truth, isn't it? We don't have a dead God, uh, the, like, like the many dead gods of the society. We have a living God, uh, an exalted God, a God on his throne, a God that moves and hears his people's cry. Now friends, in today's study, in chapter 46, we see Jacob 
now styled once again as Israel. He's styled once again as Israel. The new name is back because faith, walking by faith in the promises of God has fully been revived now. He's walking closely again with the Lord by faith. So Israel, the name Israel, is back. He now journeys into Egypt with all his family, all the seed, as it were, all the Israelites. A new chapter is opening up in God's redemptive plan, in his life and in all their lives. God is directing them down into Egypt. Verse 1 says, And Israel took his journey with all that he had, all that he had, all the seed that came out of his loins, and came to Bathsheba, and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father, Isaac. Jacob is now 130 years old. There's no more food in Canaan. There's yet five more years of famine still to come. Five more years. Joseph is yet alive and is prime minister and ruler over the whole of Egypt. Joseph can provide not only for Jacob but for the whole covenanted family and all their families. He can provide for all of them. Pharaoh has commanded them, come. It's a command from Pharaoh. Come, I want all the family here. If Joseph had been such a blessing, I want them all to come into Egypt. God is overwhelmingly directing them down into Egypt. This is God's will. He is overwhelmingly doing this. But you see, friends, we don't really get this, get this grasp on this. Jacob has many misgivings about this. Many anxieties. He's, he is absolutely delighted that Joseph is alive. He wants to see him. His bowels are crying out to him. But he has many misgivings, much anxiety about this. We know that from verse 3, because he is still holding onto the promise of God, that God would have established his seed in the land of Canaan, the promised land, and would multiply him there, and hold that promise that he made with Abraham. And he made promises to him. So Jacob still has many misgivings and, and anxieties for the future. And so we see on his journey through, he stops at Bathsheba, that place of great significance. It is obvious that Jacob has these concerns and misgivings about going into Egypt. Hence why God told him in verse 3, to fear not to go down into Egypt. He wouldn't have told them to fear not if he didn't have concerns, anxieties upon his heart about the future. After all, God had promised previously through covenant that they would be given the land of promise, the land of Canaan. But now, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's being told, go into Egypt. The, the, really, the, the, the spiritual enemy, really, of God's people. Go into Egypt and, and not enter. Remember, Jacob had already spent 20 years outside of Canaan, and God brought him back to Hebron, 
Now he's being told right at the end of his life, or towards the end of his life, go out again. And again, this sudden change in his life. Jacob was ancient. The Egyptian culture was incredibly worldly and highly sophisticated. It was the superpower of the world. What would become of his family and their families in this strange culture with different languages, with many hundreds of false deities and false gods in this pagan culture? It abounds in worldly temptations, as we know from Potiphar's wife. Would their families be safe in Egypt? Egypt had a bad track, track record, didn't it? We know that from Abraham and the patriarchs. They all fell into problems when they went into Egypt. Jo Jacob would have known this. this. This would have been on his heart. This is the, the enemy, as it were, the, 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 en the enemy's territory he was going back into. So there was misgivings, there were doubts, there was concerns upon Jacob's heart, naturally. And so we see here Jacob stopping, stopping at Bathsheba, that place of great significance where Jacob's walk really started with the Lord. Remember, Previously, when he left his home, his mother, his father, and uh, went to go with Laban, his life was in peril. And uh, of course, <laughs> it's quite an interesting part of scripture, that, that part of scripture in terms of the birthright. But uh, he left, really, in fear for his life, going to, to Laban and uh, many uncertainties, but there God visited him. Remember that, that vision, that dream he had, that ladder, as it were, up to heaven? That was the, the really the beginning, the spiritual beginning of Jacob's journey. The first promptings, the quickenings of God to him. It was at Bathsheba, wasn't it? And this is where he stops, on the fringes of Canaan, Bathsheba, not far from Egypt now. And He's pausing now because a great change, a great decision in his life has taken place. And friends, he's doing what all true believers must often do at times when in need of guidance and direction and assurance in life. We must go back to Bathsheba sometimes. We must go back and trace God's blessings in our lives. When faith has revived and we feel that we're, God's favour is upon us and blessing us and prayers are being answered, we go back, not, not in a, to our sin, but we go back to those blessings. We stop from the busyness of our lives, as it were, and we stop and we meditate upon God's guidance and assurance in life. And that's exactly what, what Jacob was doing here, amidst his anxieties. He commits it all unto the Lord by prayer. And that's what we see in verse 1. Jacob offered sacrifices unto the God of his father, Isaac. He confessed. He confessed his sin. He's confessing through an atonement, a sacrifice in Bathsheba. And pouring out his heart before the Lord. Uh, confessing his faults, his sin, and his need of God's grace and guidance. He wants to be found in God's will. 
It's all about God's will. He doesn't want to be going contrary to God's will. He wants to keep, keep in the covenant promises of God. He wants to be in Canaan, ultimately. But God is overwhelmingly directing him into Egypt. So what does he do? He, he commits himself unto him who knows exactly what he needs. He commits it all unto the Lord. And he offers a sacrifice. He comes humbly, repentantly, pouring his heart out before the Lord. Friends, if, if, honestly, if we desire such assurance in our lives, let us do as Jacob did. Let us stop from the busyness of our lives, the many, many pressures that we face in our, in our modern culture. But let us pray. Let us pray the, the penitence prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of faith, and trust in, in him that we may lay aside every weight of sin which so does easily beset us. You see, friends, like our sister mentioned, we can have, in, in our modern culture, we can have so many weights, like on a bow of a ship, that they're, they're weights that weigh us down from going forward with the wind of the Holy Spirit in life. We can have all these weights that just weigh us, as it were, weigh us down, all the cares of this life. They can so distract us, they can weigh us down from going forward in the Christian life. And, friends, let us do as Jacob did, and stop and pause, and pour our hearts out before the Lord in true repentance and faith, and, and cry and wrestle to the Lord until we know of that assurance that He will give. God will give you assurance, and He will give you guidance. If we pray like this, friends, in this way, and we pause and we take the time, like Jacob did. He was on the borders of Egypt. He could have gone straight through. He had all the assurance. He had everything going for him, really. But he committed it unto him who knows best. And that's what we need to do, don't we? Well, Jacob's prayer was heard because God spoke to him in the vision of the night. He doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't speak to us in visions. We have the full canon prophecy of the word of God. And we can have trust. We can even take the visions and the promises that were spoken in the Holy Scripture as our own. God speaks to us through his word. And so we, we take hold upon these truths by faith. In verses 2 through 4, four it says, Jacob, Jacob. And, Jacob, and Jacob said, here I am. How wonderful that answer is. Here I am. Jacob uh, was expecting an answer to his prayers. Here I am. Very simple words. When we pray, let us pray in expectation. And when we pray in expectation, we pray, we pray, we, we frame our life around what we pray for, don't we? We, 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 we want to be found in what we're praying for. Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here I am. That's uh, Genesis 46, and 2. Verse 3 says, and he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there, I will there make of thee a great nation. And verse 4, I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. 
There are only 15 instances in the whole of the Word of God that that's where, where it says, where God speaks and says the, a name twice. Only 15 instances in the whole of Scripture. He says, Jacob, Jacob. And sometimes in Scripture, God is speaking in a very intimate, in a personal, in a loving way, as he was to Jacob here. Reassuring him, encouraging him. Other ways it could be as a, as a warning, like it was a Saul. Saul! Saul, why are you persecuting my people, Saul? Saul. So it can either be in, a, in an intimate, in a, a very personal, personal way, or it can either be in a, in a warning. And it, it, it has been years since God had revealed himself to Jacob in such a way. This was an, an intimate time where God was revealing his will to Jacob, assuring Jacob. That's what Jacob wanted. He wanted assurance. He wanted to be found in God's will. He didn't want to do anything to upset that will. And isn't this true of us, dear friends? There are times in our lives where God does the same to us, where he so presences himself for us. He speaks to us through the word, through heartfelt prayer. Where we, we, we have those, we're at a crossroads in life. There are these big decisions that we need to make. And if we come in such a way that there are those wonderful times where God just so comes through very intimately and uh, pours the Spirit upon us and we have that assurance, it almost feels like God's answered us before we finish the prayer. Have you ever had such times where you're praying and before you pray, finish your prayer, you know that God has answered you. And you, and you get up and you pick up the phone because you want to speak to that person you want to go to that place because it almost it feels like God answered your prayer. It's such as the assurance. Those are such sweet times, aren't they? When God so pours upon you those wonderful, intimate blessings like he did with Jacob. Well, the Lord God gives Israel here four wonderful promises. We see four wonderful promises here, which really helps to relieve Jacob's future fears. Four wonderful promises. Firstly, we see here the promise of multiplying, the promise of multiplication. It says in verse 3, And he said, I am the God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. What? In spiritual darkness? In the enemy of God's people? Really, Egypt? You're going to make me a great nation? Of a great people of me in that nation? Alien to the things of God's covenant people? Yes, there, even there, God can do mighty things in your life. And that's true of us. Yes, in a pagan culture. Yes, in pagan Britain. Yes, in pagan Tibetan. God, dear friends, can do a mighty, a mighty work here dear friends. And so we have this wonderful promise here. It says there, going into Egypt will not frustrate the promise of God, will it? It will promote the promise of God. <laughs> God, the thing, sometimes it's a mystery what God does in our life. We want to go that way and say, that's where the blessing is, God. And God turns us around and goes, no, 
you're going in that way, you're going back into the valley. It's a mystery sometimes to us. But it's, it's, we're amazed that God can sometimes use those times where we've been brought back into Egypt and so bring out his grand purposes and designs for our lives. There, there I'm going to bless thee. There I'm going to multiply thee. And dear children, child and pilgrim of God, fear not change in your life. Fear not future. We can, we can have great changes happen in our life, especially if we're getting older. It can be great changes in our lives. Don't fear the, 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 the changes of this life. Commit it all unto the Lord. All those weights, all those cares. He cares for us. Commit it all unto him. And he will see us through. For therein can God do great things like he did with Jacob. Well, friends, Israel became a great nation in a pagan land, Egypt, not in Canaan. Canaan was bad, don't get me wrong, but Egypt, we know we have a very bad track record. God is not limited by territory, friends. He is the Lord of all the earth. He is the living God, the God of Jacob and Abraham and Isaac. He is the living God. God can do God can do great things amongst us here. Today, friends, we must never limit him by the strength of our enemy or by the antagonism towards the gospel. He can do great things, dear friends, in this dark land, spiritually speaking. The second promise we see here is that of protection, as that of protection and God's presence with them. Verse 4 says, I, I will go down with thee into Egypt. With God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all. How shall not with you give us all things? And so the second promise here, that God's presence, God's protection, will be with Israel when he goes into Egypt. That all the covenant family, I will go down with thee. Down, as it were, into Egypt. Down into Egypt. The third promise we see here is a promise of restoration. Of restoration, verse 4. I will also surely bring thee up again. Now this must have been a massive relief to Jacob. That's what I think which was probably causing him the most anxiety. To be found out of God's will. And this is true of every true child of God. I do not want to be found living outside of God's will. I want God's will. That's what, that's what Abraham wanted to send his Isaac, his servant to Isaac. I want God's will. I want my, my son Isaac to marry in the Lord. I want God's will in every part of my life. And so this was weighing heavy upon his heart, especially in his latter years. He wanted to be found in God's will. And God gives him that assurance. I will also surely bring thee up again. I'm going to bring you back into the land of Canaan, into the land of promise. I'm going to bring the whole covenant of family back and restore them in the land. And so we see this as emphatic, do we not? Three times does God say, I will. I will, I will go down with thee. My presence will be with you. I will protect you. I will restore you into the land. 
we see here overwhelmingly, God, He will do all these things. And we see, fourthly, the fourth promise of God is a promise of consolation. A promise of consolation. Don't fear the future, Jacob, because in verse 4, Joseph shall put his hands upon thine eyes. Don't fear the future, dear child of God. Your, your hand, your, your, your souls, your lives are in his hands. He's, he's saying to Joseph, to Jacob, don't, don't fear the future. Joseph shall put his hands upon thine eyes. In other words, when you die, Jacob, Joseph will be there to console and comfort you. What a wonderful thing, isn't it, for the, the aging patriarch. Dear child of God, when you die, the greater Joseph will be there, right with you, to comfort you and to console you in your dying breath. He will. I hear it once of a, of a, a, wonderful, um, a wonderful testimony of one of the martyrs who was in the, who was burning in the, who was about to, to face the flames, and I uh, can't remember which one it was, but he was about to face the flames, and he was full of faith, ready, ready to go in those flames, but the person next to him was very fearful to go into the flames, and uh, he, he said, I'm going to recant, I, I, I don't want to, it, it, it's a terrible thing, being burned alive. And he said, he said, said to me, can you, when you're in the flames, can you reassure me, can you put up your hand and reassure me that God's with you in the flames when, when, you, when you did? And so the, the martyr, when he was in the flames, and flames, the flames went, the flames were coming up, and the, 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 the person waiting to see if God would be with him in the flames, no hand came up, the, the flames were coming, up on the legs, up on the, on, on the body, still no hand, past the head, still no hand, but then he saw not only one hand going up, he saw two hands going up. God is with me in the flames. And that's, that stirred up with the other one, God's with him in the flames. Yes, God will be with you, dear friends, in the flames of death. But when you breathe your last, you don't have to fear sickness, death. God will be with you, like he was with Joseph, uh, with Jacob. He will comfort you in that dying hour. I've, I've heard of countless testimonies of believers in their dying hour. They were given such peace and assurance in that dying hour. What, a, what encouragement here for us, dear friends, in the word of God. Well, friends, let us seek God's will as Jacob did. Not in dreams, but through the revealed word of God. Sometimes God's will takes us into the opposite direction, what we, what, we, what we would have in our lives. But therein will God be with us, and he will be there to assure us and to comfort us and encourage us. And this is exactly what we see in verses 5 through 7. And Jacob rose up from Bathsheba, and the sons of Israel carry Jacob their father and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. Those royal wagons, as it were, a picture of, of the wagons of God's grace. Uh, the means that God gives us, as it were, to bring us home to glory. Verse 6 says, And they took their cattle and their goods 
which they had gotten in the land of Canaan, came into Egypt. Jacob and recognized this, and all his seed with him. And verse 7, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his daughters, and his sons' daughters, and again, and all his seed brought he with him into Egypt. God is impressing through the Holy Spirit, impressing this upon our heart. All the seed, all the seed, all the souls are being brought in to Egypt. Notice the emphasis which the Holy Spirit puts upon Jacob's seed. Verses 6 and 7. All the seed, all the seed. And in verse 26 and 27. All the souls, beginning of 26. And again, uh, latter part of 26. All the souls were three score and six. And verse 27. Uh, and the sons of Joseph which were born him in Egypt were two souls. All the souls of the house of Jacob which came into Egypt were three score and ten. God was absolutely faithful concerning all his promises that he made to, 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 to Jacob. The whole covenanted family, as we often pray, was delivered, was brought in. Why? Because Jacob, Joseph yet lives. He lives. Our Saviour lives. Oh, when I was a, a little boy, my mom took me to church, and I and I, I love this hymn. It's a simple hymn. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along my narrow way. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. People ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. I think I did it, did it? <laughs> Some little diversion there. But he lives, friends. He lives. Our Savior lives. That gives us great hope for our loved ones. He lives. Whilst there's breath, don't give up on loved ones, on those upon your hearts. The whole covenant family brought in. And we have this wonderful catalogue of, of, of all, the, all the, 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 the seed, all the seed, all the souls come out of Jacob's loins, as it were. And all of them brought in to a Christian community. Once in bitterness, arguing, family breakups, undivided, indifference towards the things of God, God broke through all that, didn't he? Brought them all together in a Christian community, living by faith, loving the Lord, doing amazing things for the Lord. God can do the same for us because Christ lives. And we believe it. We believe in his promises, friends. God, by sovereign grace, friends, can break through all those doubts, the broken relationships, the bitterness, the indifference towards God, He can by a sovereign grace break through and bring us all by God's grace into union with Christ. He can do that. We must believe. It's about belief. That's what it's about. It's about belief. Do we believe with all our hearts that the Lord can do this? We see in verse 8, 
through 27, all the seed, all the souls of Jacob being brought by those royal wagons to Joseph who yet lives. It's a picture, isn't it? A picture of God's sovereign grace amongst us through the greater Joseph of Christ. It's all pointing to Christ. Jacob made many mistakes as a father. I've made many mistakes as a father. I've made many mistakes in many of my roles in life. And we can all say that. We can, we can all put our hands up and say, I've failed you, Lord. I have. There have been times I've failed you. I've let you down. Jacob and, and, and the scripture outlays them all for us. We can all say this, that we failed in the Lord. Yet the greater Joseph yet lives. The royal wagons of God's grace are sent, dear friends, because it's a matter of belief. It's a matter of faith. But what an encouragement for us to not give up on those within our families and familiar circles who are yet who are yet to be converted. Pray, pray for your children. Pray for your loved ones. Pray for those we witness to. Pray and pray some more. We must pray. We must pour our hearts out before the Lord, confessing our sin. God has many wagons, many wagons of God's grace. There's much seed, friends. There's many more souls to be brought in. Let's pray. There's much, many more wagons, many more souls to be brought in. We cannot take our possessions, friends, with us. We cannot take our houses. We cannot take our, our reputation. We cannot take our riches with us. We cannot, do, we cannot take any of those things. But by faith, by faith and through heart, through prayer, depending on God, we can take souls by God's grace with us. We can. That's what we must live for. The souls, lives, not money, not houses or reputation, what people think of us. That's what we must live for. By faith, pray that God will save our loved ones. And those whom we witness to, we may see precious souls, eternal souls, being brought into a Christian community like we see here. In verses 8 through 27, all the names individually, all the names individually are penned for us to show us that these souls, these redeemed souls, the souls brought to Joseph who yet lives, very precious to God. Because God is a faithful God. Faithful concerning his promises. They all are a living memorial and trophy of God's grace. You think of that family. Murderers. People who committed incest. Wicked things in that family. They're a trophy. They're a memorial to God's grace. How God can break through and joy in all these families, many of which were so different to the things of God, separating themselves from God's people. But God, God, through the greater Joseph Christ, brings can bring, bring them all together in a Christian community because Joseph yet lives, because he can provide the means of grace. The greater Joseph yet lives. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power 
that worketh in us. Yes, the power of God in us. God working in us by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the name of Christ. Ephesians 3.20 Let our faith be assured by the word and the promises of God. That's what Jacob did. He brought the word and he saw the wagons, didn't he? And he knew that Joseph yet lived. Let our faith be assured by the word and promises of God for our future and our loved one's future, those whom we witness to. Let not circumstance and worry weigh you down when the throne of God's grace is open to you because you believe that the greater Joseph, Christ, yet lives. And he, I say that reverently, he, perhaps unbeknown to you and I, is planning to bring many, many more loved ones into glory, as it were. Let's believe, dear friends. Believe because he yet lives. Believe because he's on his throne, like Joseph was, ever making intercession, ever making provision for his people. He hears his people's cry. He lives. Dear friends, not, and this is not by works of righteousness that we have done, of course not, but because of what he has done on that cross. Let us not believe that we can save souls through our performance or these, these things. We, we must go out, we must be obedient and be found faithful, but we utterly depend upon him to open up hearts. But let us rather believe that God can still save and bring much seed, many more souls and loved ones, because Christ yet lives. We worship a living Saviour. Let this belief stir us up, friends, to gospel works, because Christ lives. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk.